This is Wabi Sabi Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Yasmin. Sorry it's been a large gap in time. Kind of embarrassed to say it's been about three months since my last episode in February. But it is what it is, and time is non-linear. So thank you for bearing with me. Hope you and your family and friends, loved ones, community members, neighbors, frenemies, I hope you're all safe and well in this pandemic. I know here in the States, we are starting to see glimpses of a post-pandemic society. We're also seeing currently what, what I understand to be vaccine apartheid looks like given our friends in India and in Brazil who are not faring well with this pandemic due to geopolitical realities. I hope you can find an opportunity or a way to raise awareness, educate yourself, and perhaps send a donation to help the scenario over there. I'll add one to the show notes. I wanted to add a content warning to this episode with my friend and tea sister Liying Lim. We discuss tea at length, but we also discuss Liying's experience um, with a diagnosed eating disorder. So, if eating disorders uh, and mental health are subjects that you may not want to listen to right now. I suggest you pause this episode and come back to it when you're ready. So, without further ado, here's my friend, Li Ying Lim. Ling, thank you so much for being on the program. Welcome to Wabi Sabi. Thank you. Um... Honestly, I appreciate this beautiful opportunity to sit with you and tell my story. So thank you. It's an honor. No, I I'm looking forward to the uh, to be able to introduce you and your work and your story to um, to people beyond beyond the confines of Instagram <clears throat> mm-hmm. because it's been. Because I feel like my entire um, relationship and connection to you thus far has been predominantly through through Instagram. So I'm appreciative of uh, the ability to just expand on that. And yeah. and um, and I think storytelling is is. I mean, when you reached out to me to want to share the story, I immediately wanted to listen. So I'm really grateful to you. Well, thank you. I think the common thread that runs through us or between us rather is uh, tea and, you know, just seeing what you're doing um, with digital wellness, it was something that really inspired me um, to reach out because there is so much to be said about um, my story and the importance of developing a sense of awareness of what we are digesting today through digital media. 
Um, so all in all, it just made so much sense for me and so natural. So thank you. <laughs> so where do we begin? Wow. Well, let's see. Um, let's talk a little bit about tea, I guess, because that is the, the, the common ground, I guess, that brought us together at the very beginning. Um, I think there is a lot to be said about the beautiful practice of Chadao. Um, for those who are, I, I, I think the people who are here probably already know what it is, but it really is the way of tea, isn't it? You never know. I mean, people, may, yeah, people may know tea, but they may not know, <laughs> know tea. <clears throat> Exactly, isn't it? It's um, it's uh, there's a saying um, by uh, one of our most beloved um, teachers, Buddha, isn't it? It's just that you may be drinking tea, but you might not be walking the way. So in that sense, you know, um, marrying tea and the Tao together was very natural for me, and I always called, uh, I always said that you know that's the the final piece to the puzzle of my own recovery um, with eating disorders. Um, and not just that, but to truly love myself and to truly find that stillness within so that I have a space where I can return to every time I feel like too much external noises is causing a havoc in my world. Um, so yeah, maybe, I don't know, we could go from there because that is such a powerful practice that I can't, uh, talk enough about. <laughs> it's been, it's been interesting to, to, on the one hand, have, have my subjective, um, relationship to tea and the way of tea. Um, and then there's what I notice in either indirect uh, communication with you and the times we've been on, you know, doing live broadcast conversations on Instagram or just to receive, um, you know, the, the messages that you're putting out there through, through that platform. And I think what, what I find that strikes me as quite a similarity is, is utilizing tea and a tea practice as a means to make it through this pandemic, so to speak, just to, as a means to to mitigate the daily overwhelm, the deluge of information, misinformation, people's opinions, the sort of fire hose of just receiving so much content and opinions and information at such... Um, not only distracting, but rather, but, but actually dangerous, like small amounts mm. where you're just, it's like being, it's like, I, I mean, the metaphor is either I'm, there's a wave hitting my head or there's like mm. lots of sand, right? There's like a, I was thinking a, rocks. <laughs> or rocks. Yeah, exactly. And right. And so sand, if sand is, is if sand is, is minuscule rocks, I mean, that's really probably the best metaphor. It's that it's, it's such, mm. sometimes it's such small bits Really, that yeah. keep incessantly hitting you and if you don't have you if if you anyone who hopefully will be listening to this you know 
tomorrow, next week, next year, and the next 50 or 100 years, <laughs> you know, if we don't have some kind of a self-reflecting practice or platform, I mean, a physical thing. For some people, it's they have a meditation relationship mm-hmm. with with an app maybe with the calm app or headspace app and that's wonderful it's mm-hmm. it's one means um because it's a guided meditation it's, it's uh you know it's utilizing um uh you know audio um sort of courses that way mm-hmm. and then there's the ability for you and i we've had this privilege to have this really this real multifaceted relationship with these tools uh, in, in physical space, in, 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 at the intersection of time and space, where it's a place. It's not, I mean, it's beyond, it's a place that we can go to, but it's a place that's constantly created and recreated, right? So mm. to have this space, these friends and comrades uh, in this, in time and space as a refuge for daily digital overwhelm yeah. uh, is has been something that I I cannot put any value on it. There's no it's 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 priceless, and it's I find myself being uh, a little hesitant, and it, it, just in the spirit of just pure res- respect to mm-hmm. again the lineage that this that this you know stems from where i've where i've come uh from to it and then also the ability to speak about it and to share in that experience through this purely virtual means now because you know i used to pour tea in person and i i don't foresee it happening uh, in you know in the immediate future but i think uh again it's a long-winded way of saying um if people only knew what was possible to mm-hmm. to mitigate to mitigate digital distress and just the, the natural stress the natural that's like the everyday hamster wheel the stress response we have as we as we engage in these platforms and and continue to consume information and content on such subconscious levels you know the phone is on my person it's in my pocket maybe I'm driving I stop at a red light I could reach for it for and and effectively consume something and give my attention to it for 15 seconds it's possible i could do it in the supermarket in the kitchen while i'm cooking in the in the restroom and all these things mm-hmm. and and um all that to say like you know it's interesting to hear how people if they have the ability to to just be aware am i doing this how often am I doing it and how do I feel about, about doing it? So I absolutely love that. It's uh, It just goes with that metaphor that you just said. It's like all this fine grain sand that goes into us, into all of our orifices, but we just don't know um, until you actually see it uh, manifest in a big lump or tumor in some sense in that way, whether physically or metaphorically. Um, and I, I just love that because it brought uh, brought up something um, that I often see um, 
since I started working with beautiful beings who um, come to me uh, to heal from their own disordered eating, because that's my background. That's how I, you know, I, I found my own peace through tea. And, you know, um, that has rippled out to so many other things for me to, to prepare me to be able to be a guiding light to these people. And I'm by no means saying I'm a guru or anything, but I really am very privileged and honored to do that. Um, one of the things that really came up quite a fair bit is um, people would often say, uh, well, I see so-and-so on social media and she eats so much, but she doesn't put on any weight. Like, does that mean I... I can do that or why am I not doing well I'm doing the same but I'm, I'm not getting the same results or you know like I want to have that body of that that influencer or the body of this celebrity or the celebrity is on a fast maybe I should go on that as well and all of these things if we think about it it's just like boom 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 like everything is just like wave after wave, like you said, um, and we're not conscious. If, if we remain unconscious, soon enough, it will eat into us to a point where we no longer are able to even detect or hear our own intuitive voice. Like, what is it that we, what we, what are we? What is our true nature? And so much about tea is about discovering and also coming back to our true Buddha nature, isn't it? That's what they call it, but also it's a true nature. And it pains me. It really pains me because you get people questioning, like, how can I get a body like hers? And there is no no, no sense of mirroring of our own beauty, you know? Um, and yeah, that that's, that's really uh, spurred me on to carry this work out through the way of tea or perhaps in the future certain other ways but this way um has really uh surprised me at the beginning you know um uh, I must say you know even with my my love for tea I was worried that oh my gosh like if I bring this out to the world um Will people just think, well, it's just tea. How can that help anyone, right? It's such an ordinary thing that is so beautiful and sacred. But what really prepared me and finally allowed me to break through my own limitations is understanding that all there is to life is this ordinary moment. That really is it. And happiness is in this ordinary moment. So how can we make it sacred? How can we make it beautiful? And so I trusted T and and there there it is. It brought me this far and I believe it will take me very, very far further along the way. But yeah, there's so much to be said about these teachings. So <laughs> I love hearing hearing that just from your unique the the breadth of your experiences and, and from your perspective that that there is really nothing but the mundane and i think and if you know i feel like as a western maybe just from a western culture perspective and maybe you could also expand on that because um i think i remember you mentioned that you are from um singapore originally or i may be mistaken from Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Sorry, 
best remember that. But <clears throat> very common um, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Kuala. Okay, Kuala Lumpur. Okay. Yes. It's kind of, it's now yes. <laughs> all the all the brain <laughs> our brain is turning on. Um, oh, I just needed a sip of tea, and now I'm starting to remember. So there you um, go. but there is there is um everything comes from the mundane creativity comes from the mundane love is experienced in the mundane uh inspiration is drawn from the mundane um um and i think it's easy or maybe it's easy for us or people like us to have this rooted relationship in a tea practice, but then to also be in this metaverse and to notice that what, not only what the metaverse is offering, but what people are subscribing to as a whole, right? At scale Mm. is we can, we can, we don't have to deal with the mundane. We could just be in this hype just hype or just or just politicize or just advertise or it's it's all just hype and it's like it's not real it's not real you know like there is a reason why these titles entice you to click right it's called clickbait it's not it's not rocket science but people at at you know at large are are reinforcing themselves and each other to not be uh, aware of these truths. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing that's uh, suddenly came to mind right now, as um, you know, as we're starting to talk about this, is that no more than a week ago, like days before you wrote to me, mm-hmm. um, I was listening to um, one of my favorite sort of investigative like journalistic podcasts called this American life Mm. just hosted by Ira glass. And, um, there was an episode called secrets and the entire episode, um, was dedicated to, uh, people who are very secretive about their eating disorders. Mm. And I was listening to um, these different, you know, different people's relationship to that kind of, um, you know, I, I I feel hesitant to say dysmorphia. It's not dysmorphia. It's it is uh, um, again. It's just that that disconnect probably that dis thank you disconnect it's it's somewhere between body and mind there's this there Mm -hmm. is a disconnect yes and um so so again to just to be (laughs) suddenly to be in this moment while i'm remembering that um feels feels uh kind of ominous and synchronistic and in a unique way and and um you know for people to to hear this you know in the future to know moving forward that you work so as I understand, you work with um, with people who who um, are working through eating disorders or who have gone through the gauntlet of that. Or what is that? What you know? If you could elaborate mm. on that. 
So there, there's, um, there are two different terms. So when there is, um, if people are coming from an eating disorder, uh, usually um, it could be a spectrum. You know, they, they could have uh, severe symptoms where they need actually medical help. Um, this could range from anorexia to binge eating um, and even orthorexia. But, you know, the people I usually work with, um, they are not at the point of seeking for clinical help. So that's why I, I would say they have disordered eating tendencies instead. But this is so interesting because... Um, when I was coming into this space, I, I personally have come through um, from 10 years of eating disorder. So I was severely anorexic to a point where I was hospitalized and I needed like IV drips on me and all of that, uh, hormonal jabs and all those kind of stuff. But I remember going into treatment, not because I, I wanted it. I went into treatment because my mom, a typical Asian strong tiger mom, she broke down in tears in front of me when she saw the way I, I looked when I came back home from a, a three-month residency in Paris. I came back and uh, I was at my lowest weight at the time. And uh, she said, I, I, need, I, I, I want you to see someone and she just broke into tears. And that was the one, what the first kind of like thing, you know, like a, a like a, a moment for me, uh, even though I wasn't sure why I was seeking for help. I never saw myself as anorexic. I always felt I was not good enough. I was always thinking I was not thin enough. So I need to work harder and harder. And just, I just literally, my body broke down in so many ways. Like my, my food was fractured. Um, my hormones weren't working anymore. I needed to be, you know, uh, hooked up to IV drips and all of that. And still I was thinking, no, I'm not enough. And so I think when I work with people now, I know and I understand that they can come from so many different stories because I think there is a common stigma or this whole con this perception that when you have an eating disorder, all you have to do is eat. And, you know, it's not just uh, perpetuated by people in social media or just general, you know, people, but it's also perpetuated by people in the medical system. You know, when I went into treatment, I remember literally the nutritionist was saying, okay, I'm going to put you on these, these, these medications and you just have to eat. And then I remember sitting there asking her like, what do I eat? And she's like, just eat anything. Anything is good. You know, maybe she had good intentions, but I, I was thrown into this crazy chaos. Like I just felt like I was losing my, my mind, literally. I remember because once I started eating and I didn't understand why my body started to take in all this food and it was never enough. It felt like I was never stopping. Like I kept eating. Um, but now I know it is just a refeeding phase. And um, if you understand that you, and so importantly, if I go back in time, I would have told that beautiful girl called Liang. I would tell her, you just need to stay calm 
and this will pass, this will pass. And you, and I'll probably teach her some meditation techniques too. <laughs> but um, in that, in those days, I literally was in a very chaotic state, you know, I, and then I, from anorexia, I moved into binge, binge eating because I was eating nonstop but I was also exercising profusely, even though I had a fractured foot, I kept walking upstairs after stairs. It was a, it's crazy, you know, you think about it. Um, so I wanted to bring this here to the table because I want people to know that, you know, when you see someone with eating disorders or disorder eating, it really isn't about food. Food is just a coping mechanism. You know, it's a manifestation of that, inner child in us that is still seeking for permission to exist you know through seeking for approval to eat when to eat what to eat um and feeling never enough um and so yeah to tie it back to digital wellness as well oh my god like you know just comparing ourselves constantly is a real thing and you don't need an eating disorder to 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 actually have that sense of comparing comparisonism i call it <laughs> so to tie it all back i think you know the way of tea has taught me and i just want to bring us back to that that time when i first had my first bowl of tea in a tea ceremony i actually felt completely accepted i felt so much peace and that's why I said that was the final piece. Like I realized, okay, now I know how self-acceptance feels like. And I hope everyone can feel that in their life, truly. So. That's really, that's really profound and beautiful to hear. I mean, coming from your story because, I'm just gonna sit with that for a second. Mm. I mean, even taking into consideration the fact that, and this is actually something that, that Wuda shared many years ago when I sat with him, that the tea plant, Camellia sinensis, has one of the most complex, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> root, root structures in the plant kingdom. So that first bowl of tea, that you received at any point in your in your healing process for anyone anywhere mm. that first bowl is is uh, theoretically like the most really the most nourishing uh, the most nourishing like getting just just like the, the the deepest anchor you could you can experience right to to um to the earth right you're just drinking a bowl of earth mm. um so you know and and it's like how how to how to to translate that to people at scale how to um again it's not like please try that. It's not like a matter of getting it in their face that they offer it. It's about storytelling. I think everything, mm -hmm. I think everything, everything that's been profound before this point, And as we continue on trying to bulldoze through 
complete nonsense and, and misinformation and lots of, um, on, you know, just raw nerve opinions. It's like only story, you know, if tomorrow the satellites fall from the sky mm-hmm. and there's no more internet, what do we have? <laughs> we have stories and we have tea. <laughs> like that's all we have and books and I our do. relationships. So, <clears throat> so I, uh, I love that so much yeah. what you said. It is such a, a complex plant and, you know, to put it that way, I remember that first bowl so well, you know, it really was such a warm embrace and still is, you know, my daily practice with tea herself. It just feels like I am so imperfect in so many ways as a human being. And on really bad days, when I have tears falling into my bowl, I still feel her embrace. Like I feel that she knows she, she she would just tell me it's okay it's fine it would go it will happen just as it would um i know it sounds kind of woo woo but it does feel that way and I, I i love the idea of and it's such a true it's so true it's just that we don't really see it is that this plant uh and i know wu just has talked about this so many times but it's so beautiful is that the leaf itself you know it really is an encapsulation of father sky and mother earth you know it's all the starlight moonlight sunlight raindrops snowdrops then you have the ancient wisdom of the roots coming through and we're imbibing it you know it's just such a beautiful plant medicine for us very natural you know so we need all we need that especially in this world when you know a lot of our food comes from a box let's face it you know how are we nourishing ourselves you know um how are we getting closer to earth again you know um and tea is such a beautiful connector such a beautiful connector i'm so curious to know if you'd be i mean where it's appropriate to to explain from your story and your experience um, what the what the the healing process I mean the awareness process slash healing process was like for you in mm-hmm. coming out of like you, you like the last thing you you brought me and our listeners to was being in hospital and this this uh, this nurse or this doctor saying, okay, I'm going to give you these medications and you just have to eat. You just eat whatever. Um, and then you also brought me to receiving this first bowl of tea. And so these are like, these are kind of pinnacle, pinnacle mm-hmm. moments. And I'm curious in, in those in-between moments or on the other sides of those moments, if you could talk about what, and it's, I mean, <clears throat> talking about it in order to, um, bring awareness for anyone else who may be listening to mm. what that process of self-awareness is like for you in terms of did you at all uh, see a, a nutritionist? Was that something that that's something that you wanted to to learn about? Or if not a nutritionist, then um, some form of therapy? Did you did you? Yeah, I'm sure. just curious about those kinds of other. Yeah. tools and and uh perspectives from from people who who <laughs> who can 
helps sort of scaffold a certain base level of just useful information and tools mm-hmm. to you know to help us to help us help ourselves that's, that's, that's the question yeah um i think that in between is something we don't talk too much about and i i still see the importance of it so thank you for bringing that up um so moving from that time when i saw that nutritionist who told me to eat anything um, she was also the one who put me on hormonal jabs that are also prescribed to uh, menopausal women who want to lose weight. So this is a very ironic and seemingly, ugh, I don't know, it didn't really make much sense. But, you know, in our world, it's so easy for us to be like, okay, that doctor said so, so we'll just do that without questioning it, without researching what we're doing with our bodies. Uh, I went ahead with that treatment for, I think, about a month. Um, And I was actually losing more weight and my hormones were just out of whack because I kept eating, but I just wasn't feeling satisfied. Uh, So when I went back to her, she said that basically you took your dosage wrong. That's why you are not healing. So my mom was the the one who stepped in and said, you know, that's, that's not right. Like, it's just not, it's just weird. So she stopped my treatment with the nutritionist um, by, but, uh, you know, out of all of these things that happened at that time, the nutritionist actually also introduced me to a hypnotherapist. So that was my first uh, contact with something that was, you know, kind of alternative, um, even though maybe to a lot of people these days, it's not really alternative anymore. Um, but for me, I was a very closed off person at that time. I I pretty much didn't, didn't believe in therapy. I just thought this is such a, <laughs> a, a, a bunch of hot wash, basically. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go anyway. And, um, and then I started to talk. I just started to talk, even though um, looking back, I was absolutely closed off for many, many sessions. And then she started to put me into all these uh, hypnotic states where I was able, I I think the the breakthrough after many, many sessions with her, I think about a year later, um, she was able to break through my, my subconscious and molded in her way so that I was able to go back into a time where I can speak to my inner child. So that was the first breakthrough because, and that resulted in lots of tears. I can still remember it like yesterday. Um, And I remember there was another session where I was able to talk to my critical voice, which manifested as my mom. And this is something that we, uh, we work through as well when I work with my clients is that, you know, what is at the bottom of this voice, this critical voice that keeps telling you that you're not enough. Um, and so with lots of compassion and lots of forgiveness, I was able to come out of it. But um, unfortunately, I wasn't aware in that sense of what exactly I was doing. I was just going through the treatment um, so I relapsed throughout. So this is, we're talking about a span of 10 years. Like I recovered and then I relapsed and then I recovered and I relapsed. So my weight was yo-yoing like crazy. And throughout this whole thing, what really 
helped me to make peace with my plate. And a lot of people find it controversial, but it, for me, it worked. Is um, I actually went uh, vegan, so I went plant based at first, um, and then I started to study a lot about the plant based diet. Uh, I absolutely went through everything from the banana diet to the raw food diet to all of these things, right? So as you can see, there's a common thread here. It's a diet. It wasn't something I was always hanging on to. I will lose weight because I eat like this. I was still hanging on to that. Um, so for a long time, it just kept going like this. To a point where I had a real wake up call, and this was probably um, the tenth year of having this sort of uh, eating disorder, some sort of eating disorder. Um, I actually had a huge bulge, like a like a big bump under my my chin, like around my chin area, and nobody could tell me what it was, and my face would flare up in redness terribly. And I kept going to different doctors and everyone was just like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But I knew deep down, I heard this voice just telling me that I think it's because you've been eating like this for a long time or not eating like this and over-exercising for hours, you know, like spending three hours in the gym every single day and eating like this, like one meal a day. I knew, I heard it in me, but I refused to believe it. And the irony is that it took an eye doctor to tell me, you know, I think you just need to chill and maybe pick up yoga and meditation. <laughs> and so that was the beginning of stopping my running, stopping my HIIT workouts, everything. I tried yoga. I fell in love with it. And I stopped counting calories. I stopped thinking of working out as burning calories. I began to trust in my body through yoga. And then from there, I moved into meditation. Uh, and then I think it was then that I told myself, okay, I'm going to go full in to recover. And this means I was prepared for the horrible things that I hear about, like, you know, bloating, tremendous weight gain, um, you know, night sweats, all of these things that people are so scared about. And so many people relapse because it's a tough time to be, you know, um, it really is. I'm not going to lie and sugarcoat it. So that's why I always say that you need to borrow faith and support from a community or someone who's gone through it, a mentor or a guide, because you need that when you lose it. You will lose it at one point because it's tough. It's really um, because your body is going through all these changes and not just that you're getting all these external voices saying you're eating a lot you're eating a hell of a lot these days or like you're putting quite a lot of weight on when they don't understand what you're going through and at this point I'm able to say yeah I I have compassion for them because they don't know what I was going through but when I was in there I was like in a hurricane myself, you know, so I actually spent um, a couple of months on my own uh, in isolation in Vermont, actually. I went to a writer's residency and it was the best place ever because there was literally nobody there. <laughs> I was out there with nature a lot um, and I think that helped. Um, and then gradually my weight started to balance out on its own. And then I started to feel, oh, actually... I feel full now and I don't need this food anymore. And I was able to begin to eat 
food that I was fearful of, and and then that's it. It took three years for me to get here, and finally tea ceremony, and that was it. Like, thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm immensely gra- grateful, grateful for this practice. <laughs> wow, that's an. I mean, just again the in the and thank you for going into that sort of brief recollection of the in between states. <laughs> It's just amazing to hear that, you know, people think the journey is, you know, A A to Z, right? And the journey is... <laughs> no, and that is what it I tell like the, uh, my yeah. clients. It's a spiral. It really mm-hmm. is. And I love how a spiral looks because at one point, you need to persevere in the, in the straight linear lines, right? You persevere, mm. but also in the convoluted ones and the curves you are remaining flexible you're remaining in that feminine yin state where you wait and you're flexible to the changes that are happening and you have patience um so i always say you know it is a spiral recovery is messy but it's beautiful it's such a gift Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow um (laughs) So in these last, you know, I'd say 10 minutes, we have uh, our time together. I would love to ask you how, you know, given one year, a year of this pandemic, Mm. um, how your, how, how's the practice going? How is, you know, how Mm. are you finding, helping your clients, working with your clients, whether it's through eating disorders or through just teaching them about shadow and a way of tea like what is that experience like for you now and what do you see you know just kind of moving forward in the immediate wow um i guess it's not a surprise that i would say it's such an important thing and um it's interesting to see you know i was just telling um one of my tea sisters when we were sitting together i was like saying you know i feel like i was such a novice and i still feel like a novice today um i hope i'm pronouncing it correctly but basically a student for life really um i'm very honored to to guide anyone who who, who studies with me along the way um and I think it's so important. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people come to me with a curiosity about it. And I think it's so important for us to answer that, um, that calling, because I think there's a lot of times, and this happened to me as well, actually, that brought back a memory, is that after that tea ceremony that I had, that first bowl, that first bowl that told me, I remember that voice so distinctly. It said, you need to serve you need to serve tea. And I was so afraid to honor that calling. It took me one month to actually finally reach out um, to uh, Risham, the Global Tea Hut, uh, beautiful student of uh, Wuda, to say, yes, I want to learn everything about this. Please teach me, you know. So whoever that's listening to this and this resonates with you, like, just reach out and just go on your journey and find what it is that tea is trying to tell you and you know you will always meet her in the right right place right time whatever it is you know so that would be what i would uh, say to everyone (laughs) 
And what is the best way uh, for people who are curious to work with you? What is the best way for them to reach reach you? Oh, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I think I'm always there. Uh, when Stillwaters speak is when underscore Stillwaters underscore speak. Um, and yeah, we, we can get chatting. I guess that's okay. the best way to find me. <laughs> and I'll put I'll put that in the show notes as well, like uh, in the, the description. Yeah. Thank you so much, Adam. Oh my gosh, thank you, Lean. I, I, uh, you know, it's uh, that experience of like, it's like you get to know someone over time because everything takes time, and that's the important thing. And mm-hmm. again, just hearing, hearing the stories, like having the the courage and the the self reflection, the self awareness to talk about your experience and the stories and to be able to listen and learn and and to empathize on the levels that I can empathize are just and to do it through this glowing box of pixels Mm -hmm. is is always just such a uh it is such a strange you know futuristic modern human experience so I'm really I'm really grateful for you and um I know you have to head out into the evening. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate, um, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be in this container with you. And oh, I look forward to, to, you know, to continuing the conversation and to, um, you know, one day, one day we'll make it back to the UK and maybe we'll sit down for a bowl. Yes. That would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm sure that they will arrive. Absolutely.